but um, writing a sermon is really hard. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> it's challenging. Uh, props to Jamin for being able to get up here every week and uh, do it. And uh, yeah, it, it felt like there was a college group project going on in my head, uh, a bad one. Um, I, I, I will be honest, I've never had a bad experience though uh, with, with a group project. Does anybody like group projects? No one likes group projects. Okay, so this is a little embarrassing then. I love group projects. Um, <laughs> I was hoping at least one person. Would. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Janina. Yes. See, that's how I feel too, because I, I love working with people. I love meeting new people. Community and it, community is such a, 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 a big thing that I, I love and I want to invest in. I love to see it when people come together. Um, I know that was actually one of the things that, that drew Annie and I together was um, in, in college, I was telling her my, all about my, um, my idealistic ways. She said sometimes I'm, I'm too idealistic for my own good, but um, I, I was telling her, I, I would love to see a world where denominations Will, would be willing to come together. I love, love, love community. Um, and that's why I like, I guess maybe the theory behind group projects, um, because the idea is you get this diverse group of people together, give them a common goal and help them accomplish, uh, accomplish it. And I know it's to help um, people who are, who are going into a certain field learn how to work with other diverse people um, when they when they get into that field, I, I know that's the the goal, but so it's it's short term. Um, but imagine it long term. That is what Paul writes for. Paul never really writes to give long theological treatises or explain super long theological concepts. He is writing and using those things for the purpose of bringing the communities that he is serving together. And he wants them to remain unified, not necessarily in, in thinking the right things or in, in having all the right answers theologically, but he wants them to remain unified in their love for each other. So, Paul and the Corinthians have a, a, a really troubled history. So apostles in the first century would travel around and they would either start a community of Christians or they would uh, meet with a community that already existed and they would uh, minister to them. They would uh, work with them uh, for um, a short time and then they would head on off. Well, um, Paul started the Corinthian community and um, he, uh, after visiting and, and creating that community and working with them, he of course left. And um, that's where he gets a, uh, a he, he gets kind of a, a someone comes in and gives him word of what's going on in the Corinthian community. And 
he finds out that they have started making all these distinctions. All these things are going on where, where they are saying, oh, well, I was, I was baptized by Paul or I was baptized by Apollos or I was baptized by, by Peter. And uh, so, so I was baptized by Peter. So I'm, I'm, I'm obviously better than these people over here or no, 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 I have things right because I was baptized by Paul. And that's what they're doing. In, in their church, that is what they are doing. And not only that, but they're making distinctions between the rich people and the poor people. The rich people are coming and they're having a grand old time. They used to do a, a communion with a, with a meal um, every time they met together. And you had all these people bringing lavish food. And then there were people on the other side of the table who were going hungry because they didn't have anything to eat. And they had all these issues going on and Paul is, is, is horrified by it because he said, no, no, this isn't what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be living in love. So he, of course, writes to them and then he goes and visits them again and he says, okay, all right, so th- things, are, things are kind of getting, getting back to normal here. But at the time of writing 2 Corinthians, he had now heard word that there had been some other apostles who had gone to visit them. And these apostles... Um, had gone to them and they had worked powerful miracles in their presence. They, they had incredible words of wisdom for the Corinthians and they showed how smart they were. They showed how strong they were, how healthy and wealthy they were. And then they started telling, telling them things about Paul. They said, no, 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 God, God can't really be on his side because, because look at him. He's He's, he's weak, he, he goes hungry, he's, he's poor, he gets in shipwrecks, he gets sick. He, God can't be on someone's side who's like that. And they, they even said, and look at the letters that he's written to you. In, in chapter 10, he, ex, he tells them what they, um, we hear what, what they were telling the Corinthians about Paul. He says, his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. So they're basically calling him that guy on Facebook. And you know that guy who goes and gets involved in all the arguments, writes in all caps, says things that he wouldn't say in person. He just feels safe behind a keyboard. Paul felt safe behind a letter and a pen or a first century version of a pen. And Paul even admits to them, he says, yeah, I know. In, verse, in chapter 11, verse six, he says, I am untrained as a speaker. I get it, I know. So they called him timid and weak and said that he was an inferior apostle because of all of these things. And so the Corinthians ate it up. They said, well, we wanna be right. We wanna be with wherever God is. So they distanced themselves from Paul. And they said, we don't, we don't really want to be with Paul. We don't wanna be with his the people that he works with, because these guys are obviously right and Paul is obviously wrong. And so this is where Paul is. Paul hears about what's going on with the Corinthians and how now they're not only, they're, they're not just making distinctions among themselves, they're trying to distinguish themselves from other Christians and other Christian communities. So in chapter five, um, starting in verse 11, Paul says, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. 
we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God. And he's talking about him and his fellow workers and his communities. He, he says, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen or in the outwardly things than what is in the heart. So if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. So no, Paul's ministry may not have been of clever sound bites, kind of like what we, what, what, or at least me, I don't know about you guys, but when I first became a believer, um, Paul was kind of upheld as this, as this person who, who, I mean, had everything right. And he was, he was where you went. If you wanted to learn about Jesus, you go to Paul. But his ministry wasn't like that. He, he didn't show these magnificent displays of power, have super showy miracles. His was a, a ministry of teaching people to actually come together. And the way that he went about that wasn't in trying to go and, and convincing people that, oh no, th these people are wrong, we're right, come follow us. It was through humility and grace and love. Um, back at the end of June, we went to Godly Play Training. Um, and our trainer there, uh, her name was Tony Daniels. And she led a fantastic training. Um, it was, it was so, it was more uh, almost like a retreat uh, for us. It was, it was so spiritually impactful. We all shed tears. Uh, we all came so close together. It, it, it was, it was such a, a, a moving experience. Um, and we came out of that realizing that that, that's what godly play was. It, it was helping the kids learn to cultivate a, a community among themselves like that. And um, she has a great podcast, by the way. So uh, Tony Daniels, uh, look her up. She's fantastic. But, but she works um, for a, a ministry that tries to help churches um, achieve a more communal nature, not just, oh, we, we come to church on Sundays, we uh, get to feel good or we get to feel convicted about something, and then we get to go home. She, her, her ministry trains people to create pockets of community within a single church because that's where she believes real church and real community and real fellowship happens. And she said to us in her, yeah, her quote's right up there. Um, she said to us, salvation is a healthy attachment to God and church is healthy attachment to each other. But unfortunately, in many institutional churches, right thinking is the goal and not right relating. Because we are so concerned about if we have it right. And, and we've been taught to do that. A lot of us have. Not all of us, but a lot of us have. That if, if we don't think the right things or have faith in, in the right things, that, that God is, is going to send us to hell. 
but it's, it's, it's really funny. N.T. Wright, um, he, uh, he has a, I love this quote. He says, um, uh, belief, uh, or we aren't saved by our faith in justification by faith alone. It's a really funny quote. Thank you. Thank you for laughing. Um, and it, it, it's so true. It, it's not about what we think. Thinking, thinking things is important. Like we need to understand that social justice is a reality in scripture and it is a reality that we need to love others and love the least of these. But, but when we make it, when we make whether or not we are willing to connect with other people, when we make that about uh, what they think or or um, what their political position is, or what their view on, on the atonement is, then we are really, really missing out on, on what God wants for us. So um, when, I, when I did um, start following Christ, it was, it was 2010, and in, in those 12 years, it's, it's really been a whirlwind seeing all the cultural change in... Um, in Christian evangelicalism. Um, I mean, I've seen people grab on to popular pastors. Um, I've, I've done this, so it's not just other people. It's I've done this. <laughs> um, but um, I've grabbed on to popular pastors. And then when I hear something else that I like, I, you know, toss those aside. I go sell those books and go get the other person's books or start listening to their podcast. Or um, in, in uh, it's, it's really obvious in, in contemporary Christian music too, where um, you have artists and musicians who may come out and say, you know, I, I don't necessarily believe in a, in a literal seven day, 24 hour creation. And they get shunned from Christian music and they have to go and uh, practice their craft elsewhere. And that turns into um, a whole, uh, 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 I mean, that, that hurts, that hurts. Um, but Jamin and Mandy sent, or Jamin actually sent, sent a, a, um, a meme to us uh, this week, Jamin and Mandy. And um, so it's, I don't know if y'all are gonna be able to read that because the text is really small. You can read it? Perfect. All right, so um, it's, it's really funny because it, it's, it's so true because so many people think, oh yeah, well, we finally have it right. But it's also sad because if we look at what, what Paul was wanting, um, I mean, if he was here today, this would be, this would be appalling to him. Oh yeah, appall, appall. I intended that, yeah, appalling. But this is how it is. And the Corinthians were in the same boat. They thought, oh man, well, now we have it right. Now we've got it. Because we found these new apostles. They've shown us that God is really about displays of power. God is really about uh, who's, who's the strongest, who, who's, who's the wealthiest, who can raise the most money. And, and it's true because Paul was, um, he, uh, again, had been in shipwrecks. He had all this bad luck, and he did not look like someone that God was using. But in chapter 5, 
uh, starting in, in 14, he says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Paul is, is really trying to defend his own ministry to the Corinthians because he is he has been doing what, what God has commanded him to do, to, um, to, to live humbly and to live out of love. He says it's, it's the love of Christ. It's Jesus's love for us that compels me to, to live this way. And he's asking them, don't look at me in this human way. Don't, don't just look at this weak figure and and see just, just someone who's, who's pathetic, but, but see someone who has been used by God and see someone who is being used by God. And, and, and the best way I can think about this is, is with Chris Hemsworth. You guys know who Chris Hemsworth is? Yes, Thor, Thor exactly. But when we think about it, Chris Hemsworth, he's... he's super good looking, he's ripped, he's hilarious, he's a great actor. And if there was another actor in Hollywood who, who was super scrawny, pot belly guy, no personality at all, I mean, who's gonna be the, the favorite actor? Chris, exactly, of course. Thor, exactly. <laughs> so Paul is saying, we look at Chris Hemsworth, and we see, oh man, what a great guy. But Paul is saying, don't look at that other guy and think that he can't be a good actor too. So Paul is, is trying to, or <laughs> he can't be useful too, or that he's somehow inferior <laughs> to, to Chris Hemsworth in some way. Um, but Paul is not only defending his ministry, he's also trying to defend the Corinthians and his love for the Corinthians because the Corinthians didn't really, he didn't need anything from them because they had said, all right, see you later, Paul. And Paul could have just as easily said, okay, see you later because the Corinthians didn't support Paul Financially, he 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 purposefully did that. He he actually got financial support from other churches, and he went out and was a tent maker to support himself as well. And he's trying to tell them, look, I I I don't need you guys. It's Christ. It's Christ's love compelling me because because Christ, if he died for everyone, and he did then everyone has inherent value. He said, and that means you have inherent value too, no matter how you're treating me right now. And so Paul is saying, you are willing 
I am willing to offer you this piece, this, this olive branch, because I love you and Christ loves you. And no matter our differences right now, he, God wants us to stay together. In chapter five, uh, starting in verse 18, um, he says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And that's, that's a powerful message that, that God overlooks our sins, that God overlooks our trespasses and, and, and what, we've, what we've done wrong. And it's, it's, it's so powerful for a, a relationship too, because um, for those of you who are, are married or who are in uh, in long-term relationships, if you uh, have an argument with your spouse or, or your significant other, and uh, you, you continually try to be right in the argument, or if you continually uh, bring up um, the, the other's uh, past wrongdoings, that, that is not good. <laughs> it, is, it is not good. Um, that, is, that does not make a relationship doesn't matter who's right, that does not make a relationship. And so what Paul wants to get across to the Corinthians is that just because we have our differences doesn't mean that we shouldn't just overlook them. Or, or in, in, in Paul's case, just because the Corinthians had snubbed him, doesn't mean that Paul should just kick the dust off of his feet and walk away and say, well, that, that's, you know, lost cause right there. Paul wants the Corinthians to always be reaching out for reconciliation and coming back together. And that is, that is not, I want to make sure I'm being clear, that is, that is not grounds to stay in any kind of abusive relationship. So the Corinthians, in, in dismissing Paul with, with conceit and with pride, had, had unjustly broken this relationship with him out of, out of nothing, nothing in, in Paul's control. I, I mean, you can't really, you, you don't have control over, over a shipwreck. You don't have control over whether or not you, you, you always go hungry or, or how much you make. Um, but in doing so, it was as if they had also had a fight with God because Paul, like them, are in Christ. They are part of the Christian community because if, if Christ died for all and, and sees value in all, it's as, it's as if that that relationship had broken down and they were failing to see value in part of Christ. 
So the end of chapter five, Paul says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. And I think it's, it's really important here to actually think about what sin and righteousness are. Because in a lot of ways, we over the past many hundreds of years have really over-moralized sin and righteousness. Moral's a part of it, but the concept of sin in, in, in Judaism, in its, in, in its Hebrew flavor and context, is, is really broad. It's about anything that erodes life. So, yeah, morals may be a part of that, but, but broken purpose and, and broken relationships are, are also part of that. And, and same for righteousness too. We've just made it about, okay, well, this is right and this is wrong, but righteousness in its, in its Hebrew context is about doing right by someone that you are in relationship with. And in relationship can be just as specific as, oh man, you're my friend, I'm in a relationship with you, to as broad as a, a, a judge has a relationship with the people in their courtroom. And so the, the, the righteousness for that judge would be to, to be just and to be fair. But for, say, a, 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 a doctor, Righteousness for a doctor would be to not go into, into surgery uh, after, you know, going on a, on a bender the night before. Um, and, and for God, the Israelites considered God's righteousness to be being faithful to the covenant that he made with them, no matter what they did. And so these broad concepts have been really, really narrowed down. So when, when Paul is, is talking about becoming God's righteousness, this isn't necessarily just some, some passive thing that where, where he can say, okay, well, I, I, I'm actually now just totally morally upright. This, this means that he and the other apostles and the people that he works with they are actually manifesting the, 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 the immense love and, and healing um, of God in the world and to all those that they come in contact with. And he does that because God showed all people this when Christ lowered himself. In the same way, um, Paul describes Jesus as, as lowering himself to become a servant and to serve. As, as, as he describes later, actually in 2 Corinthians, um, 
Paul, Paul describes Jesus as, as becoming poor so that because he is poor, the, the Corinthians might, might enjoy in Christ's riches. This is the same idea here. So, so Christ lowered himself to the weak, humiliating erosion of life that was the death, that was death on a Roman cross so that followers of Jesus might then go out and understand that weakness and love is the way that, that God most often shows up in the world. It's, it's not in um, who has the most guns, who has the biggest army, who's, who's the wealthiest. It's, it's who is the most willing to, to be relational and loving with those around them and with God. So reconciliation with God is, is more than just having a relationship with him. That's, that's important, but it has just as much to do with how we relate to others and whether we are willing to relate to others, no matter where we see those differences. There's, um, there's this Christian uh, cliche. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of them, but there's one that really has been growing on me. Um, and I'm sure you guys have seen it too. Um, it's like a, a, that bumper sticker. It says, um, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And, you know, technically, yes, Christianity by modern definitions is a, is a religion. It is. But it really is so true that it is about relationship with, with all those around us, with, with God and, and, and how, how, we, how we relate to other people. And God has chosen to work through people. He, he always has. Even when he, even in, 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 in the scripture, when we see these miraculous events happening, he still works through people. He, he, he asks, he tells Moses, oh, go put your staff in the water. And Moses does it. He works through Moses' actions. Um, when... Um, when, when Christ heals people, he, he tells them your, your faith has made you well. He's working through and with those people. And that happens so much in community. And, and that's honestly why I'm, I'm so excited to, to be able to, to be here and, and to do this with Christ City because I, I love Christ City. Um, when, when, I, when I left Nashville, um, I left, uh, I left a church. I, I, I left friends I, that I thought I would, I would never, ever um, lose as friends. But, but um, they, I, I, life happens, and um, sometimes people think, "Oh, well, no, we're going to do our thing. If you're going to do your thing, you're going to, you know, go do it over there, and we'll just keep insulating ourselves." But Christ City isn't like that. And that's why I see so much hope here at Christ City is because we are about bringing people in and belonging and, and connecting with other churches and, and exploring this, this relationship with God communally 
with, with more than just ourselves. And that's crazy hopeful. And that's crazy hopeful for, for a lot of people. And when we are here in Memphis, there are a lot of people in Memphis who need that hope. And so my, my vision is that, I don't even know if I'll, if, if I'll ever see it in my lifetime, but my vision is that, that Christ City would continue doing that. We don't have to be a, a big church. We don't have to be a wealthy church. It's, it's not about that, but it's about continuing what we're already doing and, and getting creative and, and having imagine, the imagination to, to find new ways and, and uh, of, of doing that and, and being that, that beacon of, of light and hope in the city wherever we can and however we can. And, and like I said, we may be small, but, but God works in those weak things. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you uh, so much for, uh, for Christ City, for, for the community that you've, you've built, um, and for the, the community that you're going to uh, continue building. And I just ask that um, as, um, we, uh, as we go about our, our, our days and, and, and our months and our, our years, that you would, you would really... Uh, just give us the imagination to to continue impacting the city and inviting people in and and to to become part of this 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 beautiful community that that you have have built and give us the the courage to to be relational with with other churches and and to to build new new connections and just give us through your spirit the hope to continue making all of that a reality. And it's in your name we pray, amen.